Coming up on Studio Berlin, it's been almost one year since an amendment relaxed Germany's law regarding the advertisement of abortion services. But abortion is still technically illegal in Germany. We hear from one doctor who thinks it should stay that way. And nobody gets pregnant or nobody has children. Uh, you know, it's not a stroke of lightning that, that you get struck by and then you're suddenly pregnant. And from activists who want the law scrapped entirely. The fact that, that Germany still has this paragraph in the criminal code is, is, is shocking to many. What do abortion rights activists and opponents want to see happen in 2020? That's coming up next on Studio Berlin here on 104.1 FM. Stay with us. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week on this program, we take a closer look at the events and issues shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. I'm your host, Sylvia Cunningham. On this week's show, we're talking about Germany's abortion law. My body, my The sound we're listening to now is from a protest that happened just over a year ago in January 2019. Pro-abortion rights activists gathered here in Berlin at Rosa Luxemburg Platz to protest a paragraph in Germany's abortion law, 219a, which deals with the Werbung für den Abbruch der Schwangerschaft, or the advertisement for abortion services. Over the course of today's show, we're going to talk about the controversy surrounding the law, the activists who want to get rid of it, and doctors on both sides of the issue. Joining me in studio is Kate Cahoon. She's with the abortion rights activist group Bundes für Sexual Selbstbestimmung, based in Berlin. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. That sound we heard at the beginning, that's a protest you organized. At that time, back in 2019, several doctors, including two here in Berlin, were caught up in court battles because they had written on their website that they performed abortions, and that meant that they were violating 219A. Can you explain what you were hoping to accomplish with the protest? Sure. Um, well, back in January last year, we were still hoping that we would have a chance to to get rid of this law. And basically how this came about was um, a very well-known doctor, Christina Hennel, had been fined and charged for providing information about abortion on her website. And it drew a lot of attention to the fact that a uh, Germany's abortion laws are actually a lot more restrictive than a lot of people thought. Um, so doctors can't freely provide that information about the abortion services that they um, provide on their website. And um, Christina Hainer was taken to court for doing so. And um, through her case, um, it started a wave of protests because people didn't understand why a doctor was being prosecuted for providing the information that she needs to provide to her patients. So that day in January was the first time that we came together in nationwide um, actions to campaign for or to ask for the law to be scrapped, which at that point seemed like uh, a realistic option because the government that had formed the opposition parties would have had a majority in order to be able to, to uh, make changes to that law or to actually abolish it. So we were asking them and you know inviting politicians uh, to speak at, at that rally and um, to get their support for an amendment to that law because basically you know the public was was outraged about what had happened to Christina Hainel and um, people were looking for answers and looking for for some kind of change. So we were hoping, but unfortunately, yeah, uh, the situation didn't didn't improve significantly. Significantly at all. 
And when you mentioned that it's more restrictive than people would think, what many don't know is that 219A, it's nestled under Germany's criminal code, 218 actually technically makes abortion illegal. Can you explain what that means? It's illegal, but of course, about 100,000 abortions are performed per year in Germany. How does that work? Yes, yeah, so abortion is regulated by Germany's criminal code. And it's that paragraph you mentioned, 218, which is in the section about crimes against life. So it's actually just after murder, which is quite shocking given that, as you mentioned, you know, abortions are conducted and it's a very normal part of, of healthcare and of women's women's health. So the fact that, that Germany still has this paragraph in the criminal code is, is, is shocking to many. Uh, and it basically means that there are restrictions and it's considered to be a crime against life to have an abortion. But there are a specific number of conditions that are listed that means that you can have an abortion without being prosecuted. So if you meet the conditions uh, and they involve uh, a compulsory waiting period, um, compulsory counselling and a number of other conditions, then you can have access to abortion. So up to 12 weeks of the pregnancy? Up to 12 weeks of the pregnancy, that's correct. So going back to 219A, the flashpoint here. So soon after that protest that happened um, at Rosa Luxemburg Platz, Germany's parliament, the Bundestag, they came together to vote on changes to the law. So let's listen to what happened that day in parliament. Daher ist es höchste Zeit, dass wir heute dazu kommen, dass der Eingriff entkriminalisiert wird. It's high time we decriminalize this medical procedure, that we allow doctors to provide information about them and let them add their names to a list of medical professionals offering this procedure and details by which method. Additional information should be provided on vetted websites. Of course, this isn't our preferred choice. We would have liked to abolish paragraph 219A of Germany's criminal code altogether. That would have been the cleaner solution, in my view. But we couldn't get the CDU-CSU on board. But today, we are taking an important step forward. By addressing this problem, we're getting rid of this limitation on the rights of women who are in crisis situations. So this is Dr. Karl Lauterbach from the SPD. He's laying out the case here for an amendment to 219A so that doctors can now legally say that they perform abortions, but they can't offer any further information. And as you said, this passed. Um, but that is a little bit confusing. Can you spell out what that actually means in practice now a year later? Yeah, so what it means in practice is that we've had a very, very small step in the right direction, um, but basically no significant improvement in, in practice. The amendment that was made allows for doctors to register themselves on a list, um, which is available in the internet and people can look up and find uh, doctors that provide abortion services. They still can't provide all of the relevant information that they would need to on their own websites and in any other kind of advertising material. So uh, if a patient wants to go to their trusted doctor, uh, they can't take that direct route and they can't get that information from the doctor that they know and trust. They need to go through an indirect site that they might not know even exists um, to be able to get that information. And as we've seen, it has, hasn't helped the situation at all because doctors are still facing charges um, for, for um, providing abortion services. Just last year in June, um, Bettina Garber, 
Berlin doctor in Berlin and her colleague were charged uh, and fined for having information on their website. So Un- under the revised 219A. Under the revised law, since the revision, there have been further cases of doctors being charged under 219A. So um, yeah, our colleague from the SPD there was patting himself on the back for for that step forward. But really, we haven't seen any improvement in practice. And um, you know, he said that it wasn't possible to get any further with the co- current coalition government with the Conservatives um, in the Union. But really, we would have expected the SPD to push a lot harder because we've, we know that public there was a lot of public support at that time for scrapping the law. And, um, you know, if, if, if he, he was talking about a significant improvement um, to women's rights in Germany, and that would have been a significant improvement, scrapping that law. And it's really time, so, uh, so there's no excuses. As you mentioned, there's the list that's kept by the German Medical Association where doctors can voluntarily add themselves to that list. Doctors can say strictly that they perform abortions, but they can't add any information like without an anesthetic or that, for example, Bettina Gaber, the Berlin doctor that you mentioned, she can't say that the abortion is is offered in a protected atmosphere, for example, or Dr. Christina Hainel, that, for example, what kind of clothes you should wear, what's, you know, any additional information like that. We're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, we're going to shift from politics to medicine. We're going to hear from two doctors who have very different stances from one another on the issue. That's after the break here on Studio Berlin. Stay with us. Hey, you. You've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Today we're talking about Germany's abortion law. In the first part of our show, we took a look at what politicians had to say. Now we'll be hearing from doctors on the issue. Still with me in the studio is Kate Cahoon. She is an abortions rights activist. And joining me now on the phone is Dr. Alicia Bayer. Hi, Alicia. Hello. So, um, Alicia, you are the co-founder of the nonprofit in Berlin, Doctors for Choice Germany. But right now you are in Gießen. Uh, tell me what you're doing down there. Um, I'm learning to perform abortions in the practice of Christina Hanel. And Christina Hanel, we talked about her a little bit earlier in the show. She's been a vocal critic, a key part of the momentum to change the current law on abortion. So, you know, you, you studied here at the Charité. When you first entered university, what did the curriculum on abortion look like? Well, (laughs) abortion almost didn't come up at all in the six years curriculum of Charité. Um, And if it came up mostly, um, yeah, or only in the context of late abortion, so after the 12th week, which make up less than 4% of all abortions, and in the context of prenatal diagnostics. Why did you think that something needed to change there? How did you get to that conclusion? Well, abortion, is a, it's, it's a very common procedure, so it's not something that only affects 
people who, for example, did mistakes with their contraception, but um, it affects really many, many people throughout their life. And, and we thought that every physician should know about the procedure, should know about um, side effects, about how it um, is performed, um, just to be able to give a good like counseling to to their patients um, because it's a very important part of women's health but still um, in Germany um, within medicine it's seen it's also very tabooed actually so other procedures that are um, similarly common they are um, talked about in in the medical syllabus but abortion not so I think it's a sign for for it being still a taboo unfortunately and so one of the goals of um, your nonprofit Doctors for Choice Germany is to provide accurate information. What is some of the typical misinformation that a woman might run into when on the internet, for example? So one of the common myths that women run into is that um, abortions are a very risky and bloody procedure, like physically, and that it might cause, for example, infertility, and also that it causes um, severe psychological side effects like um, traumatization or regrets. And this is not true. Like, um, it's also a myth that many people in, within medical communities still believe in, for example, the tra traumatization part. Um, but there has just appeared a new study that showed that a high majority of women that um, went through abortion don't regret it. Um, even after five years, they still think it was the right decision. And um, also relief is the most common uh, feeling after an abortion and not regret. And that study that you mentioned, that is out of the U.S., but that is an argument that abortion opponents raise here in Germany as well, the psychological impact of abortion on women. And in fact, in parallel with that compromise on paragraph 219a, CDU member and current health minister Jens Spahn was behind allocating 5 million euros for studies that further examine that question. We spoke with another doctor, um, Dr. Paul Cullen, earlier this week, and he is against abortion. He is the chairman for Erze für das Leben, or Doctors for Life, and a laboratory physician in Münster. So we'll listen now to an edited portion from my conversation. Nobody gets pregnant or nobody has children. Uh, you know, it's not a stroke of lightning that, that you get struck by and then you're suddenly pregnant. Okay, So we've already outruled the, the cases of duress out okay so the question has to be if you if you have entered into a consensual sexual relationship which has resulted in a pregnancy then both of the parents have responsibility for that the same way as you have responsibility for any actions that you take as an adult so if you, so I mean it's not just the mother it's also the father so now they they have entered this predicament knowingly if you accept as I do and as I believe that the, that the, the child, even before it's born, is a, is, a, is a person with all the rights of a person, if you accept that, you can't solve, just because this other person can't defend themselves, uh, you, can't, you can't solve your problems at the cost of a third person. Let's talk about the law, and um, specifically paragraph 219a, um, the paragraph having to do with the language doctors are allowed to use when they talk about abortions. Um, no, that's quite true, actually. Or, uh, okay. Um, the central question is, 
Can you, can you essentially advertise for performing abortions? Can you put, as a doctor, for example, on your website, you, can you include that in the list of services that you provide? Right. right. I think there is a misconception, though, a little bit when people hear the word advertisement and what that actually then translates to on a website, because it being listed in terms of services or operations that are performed, I think that word advertisement strikes a bit of a different image than saying that a doctor performs abortions. Do you disagree with that? Now, I've thought about, I was thinking about what is the difference between information and advertisement, because the people... For example, Fohino, she says it's only information, or, or, or Pro Familia says it's only information, and the courts are of the view that it's, ad, 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 it's an advertisement. So what is the difference? Well, the difference is who, who is actually seeking the information? And, you know, there was a compromise. The compromise was that the doctors who offer abortion services, there are two, two central registers where they, can, uh, where they are collected, but the doctors who, who most of, a lot of the doctors who offer abortion services don't want that to be known publicly. So, so the, the, the problem is certainly by no means have all doctors who offer abortion services uh, registered themselves with the, with the register that the, the Ministry of Health has, uh, has established. And the other thing is, you know, there is no, if you, if you, just to go back to that issue, if you go onto the website and if you put in, uh, you know, Abtreibung in Google, Okay, it will immediately show you uh, uh, the, the practices that, that, uh, that provide that service in your region. So there, isn't re- there never was any, any objective lack of information. It was a very fine point, and then it, it went around this question, what's, ad- uh, what's an, uh, an advertisement, what's actually just pure information? But I think, I think the reason that, that that issue became so highly charged was it, because it's, it's a Stellvertreter, it's a, it's, a, it's a proxy for a, a deeper question. So that was Dr. Paul Cullen. Um, I, I want to hear your reaction to his view on abortion. Kate, let's start with you. There's one thing that I agree with, with the doctor on, and that this issue of the, the list and the advertising, it is sort of a proxy for a deeper question. And that deeper question is, should abortion be criminalized. And of course we say no because it's a normal part of healthcare. It's a service that women need to access. They access it all around the world and providing uh, and placing restrictions on abortions will not stop women from having abortions. Um, It will just make them unsafe and more difficult. So when Dr. Cullen talks about uh, making a responsible choice, I would have to say that the most responsible thing that you can do as a pregnant person or somebody with an unwanted pregnancy is to make an informed decision about whether you're ready to start a family or whether you want further children. I think that's a very responsible choice. Alicia, do you have something as well to add? So what he said is very far away from women's reality that I see here every day in the practice. No contraception method is 100% sure. So we have pregnant women here who had the coil in their womb, for example, or they had a three-month injection, and they still get pregnant sometimes because they, these methods fail sometimes. So it's not at all that all these women made mistakes. You can't leave the responsibility only on them. I mean, um, Dr. Cullen said there are always two people um, contributing to pregnancy, but how is reality? I mean, they come here and um, their partners say they, they don't want to care for the baby. Or, I mean, we know that in Germany still care work and all the re- reproductive um, work is still mainly done by women. So um, it's not as easy as Dr. Cullen said. And um, we know, yeah, what Kate said already, um, if a woman 
doesn't want to have a child, we, we can't force her. And if we try to force her, she will use unsafe methods. We know this from our own history in Germany, like uh, still 50 years ago, plenty of women were dying of unsafe abortions. Um, and I think the only way is leaving the decision to them. And, and my experience here, um, I see that no woman takes this decision without thinking about it. They all thought about it. And most of them already have children, so they know better than any other what work and what time you need um, and what money you need to raise a child. Dr. Paul Cullen said that he was approaching it from a human rights perspective as opposed to a religious perspective. He said that it was a moral question and he argues that the that an unborn child is a human from conception and has just as many rights as the woman. There isn't a consensus of when life begins in the medical community or at large. What do you say to that kind of argument then? Well, I think he can believe that, or I mean, it's his right to to think like this, but he can't force on others to have the same opinion. And um, it's there is no clear time point um, when life begins. We all, In medicine, we, we can't say this either. For some people, it could even be the sperm already that brings life with it. And for others, it starts, um, I don't know, later states of pregnancy or with birth. So we only know that human rights, they apply to everyone from, ongoing from birth. Yeah, I think it can also get quite dangerous if we start thinking about giving legal rights to a fetus which can't actually exist outside of a woman's body. So um, we've seen in Ireland and in, in some other places um, what uh, uh, difficult ethical questions that can pose and that it often results in the women's women's life um, being put at risk in order to um, prioritise healthcare, for example, for the fetus. So there was a tragic case in Ireland several years ago where um, a woman died because she was denied treatment um, because on the basis that it would harm her fetus. And, uh, you know, there are, it's, it's a very difficult question, obviously, obviously, that people struggle with. But essentially what Alicia said is the consequence of assigning rights to a fetus is that um, the woman might be forced to, be, uh, to give birth or to, to carry through with a pregnancy that she doesn't want. And that's, that's definitely not compatible with human rights and um, with a basic sense of dignity, really. Now, we're almost coming to an end, so I want to look ahead to 2020. Both anti- and pro-abortion rights activists want to see changes this year. Um, I asked Dr. Paul Cullen this question. Um, let's listen to what he is advocating for. So our, our proximate aim would be to maintain the existing legal framework, okay? But our long-term goal, of course, would be to reduce the number of abortions. Uh, in Germany, of course. I mean, 100,000, 100, and there's probably, there's probably a, sort of a, a hidden number as well that, that aren't registered completely. So, so it's probably more than that. That's not an acceptable uh, set of circumstances. That was Dr. Paul Cullen. Uh, we have time for one more response here. Um, Alicia, what do you think? I think we can try to reduce the number of abortions by having better um, sexual um, education and also by giving contraceptive, like covering contraceptive methods by the health insurance, which is not the case in Germany so far. Um, but we will never reach 
have no abortions at all because, as I said, no contraception method is 100% sure. Um, so my wish would be um, yeah, decriminalization of abortions and then um, political um, measures against this lack of abortion providers. And also um, abortion has to be an elementary part of education. So um, both university education, like the medical studies, but in a theoretical way, and also um, during the practical um, specialization, like for example, in gynecology, it's no obligation so far to learn it, but um, I think it should be an obligation because it's part of women's health and it belongs to that. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you both for joining me, Kate Cahoon from the pro-abortion rights activist group Bundes for Sexual Selbstbestimmung. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Thanks very much. And Dr. Alicia Bayer, co-founder of Doctors for Choice Germany, who has been working closely with Dr. Christina Hainel in Gießen. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. We also heard excerpts from an interview with the chairman of Erze für das Leben, Dr. Paul Kohlen, whom I spoke to earlier in the week. Thanks for tuning in to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Be sure to tune in next Saturday. Until then, have a great week.